Bryn is really not your typical natural gas trader that we would think of. Most of us look at everything in charts, right? But she takes it into just a whole nother level. And I've learned so much from Bryn. She looks at fundamentals, she looks at spreads, and she puts out a lot of tweets that every time I look at them, I'm always like, Bryn, explain to me what you're seeing, educate me. And so today we're going to do that. So if you're listening on Twitter spaces and you want to see the charts, hop on over to YouTube. The link is in uh, the same tweet that I put out the spaces or it's in my profile. And Really, we're going to just get right into it with everything with Bryn here in just a moment. I want to remind all of you that MicroEther Futures are live at CME Group. They are one-tenth the size of one ETH. To learn more, go to cmegroup.com. The Futures Radio Show podcast is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small-cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Futures Symbol RTY and Micro E-mini Russell 2000 Futures Symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell, please visit footsierussell.com. Bryn, I've got you on YouTube and I've got you on Spaces. How are you, my friend? Good to see you. I'm doing good, doing good. So let's just jump right into it today. For me, natural gas is one of those markets where there's so many natural gas and energy traders out there. And I think one of the things that I see a lot of, especially the newer natural gas traders is, is that they go into this just looking at charts, right? Uh, when that's not really the primary way that most of the professionals, if not almost all of the professionals in natural gas, look at the natural gas market. How do you go about looking at analyzing natural gas market? Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a strange one, but you know, charts have their, you know, their their place, and and they're more effective in some commodities than other commodities. Um, and if you're just looking at natural gas futures, and you know, you're kind of just trying to trade based on technical indicators, you know, I, I, that's you know that has its place. But a lot of times, people veer away from that a little bit, and they start to look at some level of fundamental data and that particular subset of fundamental data might be bullish and like an inventory report and and that's kind of if the market doesn't react week to week to weather or you know inventories you know people get really frustrated right at it and it can be a really frustrating commodity because it Natural gas takes its own sweet time to react to fundamentals. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with logistics and, and pipelines and moving things around and the timing of, you know, paying back pipeline loans. And, you know, so it, it muddies the waters a little bit. And, and I think if you kind of understand it more at a big picture, and then realize that positioning in natural gas, you have to be a swing trader in natural gas, right? You have to, you know, do the work, recognize when something is, you know, too high or too low, or, you know, within the seasonality of the range and get in and just ride the noise because, you know, when, when it happens for natural gas, it happens. And, you know, you don't, you can't call that exact date. It's going to happen. If you think a particular spread is going to, you know, mean revert, you might as well just put it on. Right. And wait, you know, it's, it's, so in that way, it, it has these sort of dynamics to it and, and we can go into that. You know, I know everyone will say that there's, when you look at a chart, the chart, the price action is going to tell you all you need to know. And, and for some markets, I definitely think that that is one of those things, it, it works really well for that, right? But when you look at natural gas, I look at the charts, I've looked at my strategy on it, I've traded it a bunch of times, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's not been very good for me. Um, and I've looked at it, and because of what you've talked to me about it, the front month contract is not is not where majority of the action is happening. It's happening across spreads, and it's happening across a lot of other places. It's not just happening there. So what that price action is saying, there might be something over there that's pulling or pushing that price. And that price, obviously, it has meaning and significance, but the, the action isn't all deriving just from there. Like we would look at like the S&P where we look at the front month and that's 
really where all the action takes place. Natural gas, it's taking place across all of the different months. And that was yeah, very hard for I've, me to I've, wrap my head around. I've, I've said this before that um, the Henry Hub contract kind of represents almost the S&P. It's like the index yeah. of, of it. It's really amalgamating all the dynamics, right? The you know strong or weak basis, um, the cash markets, because there's you know a really good spread and roll. Um, you know, volume out there, option activity. So in a way, it's it's kind of amalgamating it all. The, it, I think it's helpful to go back. I have this one first chart up here. All right, let's um, pull it up then. We're, we're going to pull up a chart here so we can see what Brent's talking about. So this is just natural gas, you know, Henry Hub spot prices since 2000. Um, and, you know, most of its kind of pre and the start of the shale drilling era has been spent, you know, between two fifty and five dollars, you know, pretty religiously, except for you know some outliers in weather. Um, and even the spike that we had due to that winter storm Yuri in Texas last year, we still, you know, we we reached a higher peak than we'd seen sort of even pre-shale. And so I, you know, I, it's something I'm noting, right? It's, we're kind of at the top end of, you know, uh, to a decade worth of price action within a pretty good range. And, you know, as we sit up here, one of the questions that, that term gas traders are asking is, are we resetting at a higher sort of mean level, right? And and we ask these things because the cost of capital, um, you know, the we've drilled a lot of the cheap plays, so incremental production, you know, could be more expensive. The competing products are all expensive: coal, um, you know, oil. Just everything across the energy complex is expensive, and does that elevate? us to a new kind of mean range. So that's one interesting thing, dynamic in it, you know, where we're sitting right now and kind of what happened. And the other part to it, and you can see no matter what price level we're at, right? Every winter, there's some sort of rally, right? In response to weather. And for natural gas, you have to think about it that so there's summer and winter, and they're two different seasons, right? Winter is November to March, and then summer is April to October. And in the winter, you have two sources of supply and sort of one source of demand. So you have production and you have storage, right? You're withdrawing from storage. So you kind of have these two sources of supply and one real demand, which is consumption. Right. So you have consumption up against your production plus what you can get out of storage. And that flips the dynamic flips in the summer where you have, you know, one source of supply, which is production and two sources of demand, which is consumption and buying for storage. And that's kind of what, you know, kind of plays and balances against itself. Um, and especially on a lot of these spreads that people trade. So if you look at seasonality, right, that April, October, and November through March timeframes, you know, these bars are representing supply minus demand. And obviously in the summer months, right, we have more supply and we have demand, you know, that's the structure of it. And so we put it in the ground and in the winter, it's the reverse, right? And so there's kind of this play that's just going back and forth every year. It's almost like, you know, we keep having a new presidential election, right? And, and resetting, you know, the start points. And, you know, what happened this last winter really could have nothing to do with this summer because we have excess in the summer. So you kind of roll out of this winter 
and all the eyes and the trades kind of are how bullish it will be next winter. And, and uh, you know, that takes a long time to play out in natural gas. And, and sometimes it plays itself in, you know, late summer, fall. And sometimes you don't see that, you know, response to bullish fundamentals until you get closer, you know, to the end of the year. Um, and, and so it's, it's just this push and pull and we're, the March contract is about to expire. So now what's, you know, front and center on the board is a summer contract, April. And, you know, we kind of start to get to this dynamic where all of a sudden the storage buyers show up because, you know, you switch the direction and, and that's keeping, you know, sort of a bid in the summer right now above, you know, in the $4 level. So just, I think it will be interesting to see how this winter hands off to summer and if it really can carry the torch, you know, of, you know, this upside that everybody's been calling for the $10 calls and all of that. There's so many components to this, to, to what you go through in your strategy and, and how you achieve the final way where you go and you're going to take a trade because, you know, for me, I'm so simple where it's like, I look at it, it's either I'm buying it here or I'm selling it here. And I'm kind of thinking really almost solely technical. I do look at some fundamentals, but it's just almost on a macro viewpoint, not necessarily like the way that you're uh, dialing them in here. Go through a checklist real quick of the things. If you're going to trade natural gas, what are the things that you have to have in front of you to look at before you decide to make a trade? In natural gas, I'm honestly a big fan of some of the traditional seasonal spreads that really are used as bull bear indicators within, you know, the confines of, of the entire curve and flat price. And, and then I, I, I like to look at, you know, how they performed historically and then kind of assess the current state of affairs and how it might be different in, in order to decide, right? And I think a good one on that, so, you know, a big trade that everybody likes to look at in natural gas is the March-April spread. It has history attached to it and, and it was, you know, just it's shrouded in probably something it shouldn't be. And as a result, it, it's kind of the bull bear indicator um, when, you know, the market's trying to react to something. And if you look over history, you can see, you know, this is, has its potential, right, each year to have a spike, you know, in the winter or before the winter. And the gold line here, that was this, um, that's this current March, April, and, you know, we're all the way down, you know, no matter what the ride is, you always head back to this flat line, right? Um, and that's just because of the dynamics of two units of supply to one unit of demand in March, and then that flips in April. And, you know, there's enough history on this spread to warrant understanding that, you know, they're two different products and generally they, you know, settle close to flat um, or, you know, little, you know, bit either side. And, and so I'm not really one that likes to short these big rallies here because, you know, how do you know what's it, what, where to pick it at, right? But if I'm watching it rally, I'm never buying into it, right? On on these types of moves, and I would be more inclined to buy calendar spread options. So if this March April spread, right, when it gets above a dollar fifty, you go look at maybe a fifty cent March April spread put, and there's a lot of you know spread options around these ranges on on these trades and and I think um there's been a, it's been a really easy way to trade it or or a less stressful um 
you know, just this last several weeks, the March, April was kind of bouncing around, you know, on the bottom and the March, April CSO was like three and a half cents. And, you know, I think maybe it was right around here towards, you know, beginning of the year, we were already at flat. It seemed like a little early, but, and it felt like maybe the market still had a little bit more in it, but it also, you know, as you can see, it could have just completely petered out. So with the March-April spread trading one to two cents and the calendar spread option, the put trading three and a half cents, it's kind of a no brainer, right? You can go long down here. And there was a couple nice spikes, right? That, you know, and, and even at this rally, those CSOs, I think were down to like a little over two cents. So, it, you know, there's, I come at it, I think in a little different way. I'm not just trying to see, you know, are we going to be above $4? Are we, you know, going to be below $4? And, you know, these bellwether spreads, I'll call them, right? And and there's a summer one and, and there's, of course, a winter. So does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's obviously different than the way I trade. And I think a lot of people trade as well. I mean, that's why we have you on the show to explain how, you know, a professional natural gas trader is doing this. And and so to me, what I'm getting from this is, is that you're looking at the spread between March and April. First of all, why March and April? Is it because it's the last basically month of winter and the first month of summer? Is there some significance as to why that is the spread of choice? Yeah. So definitely because, you know, the Novi March strip trades, right? And the April, October, they're two different buckets. One's a summer month, one's a winter month. And you know, when natural gas is is running up or, you know, setting up for a bullish um, winter move, you know, they buy March because they feel like it will appreciate in value relative to April, a summer month. You know, it's just try, it's just trying to straddle those um, two seasons. And, it, you know, the cutoff from March to April on weather is fairly significant. Um, so yeah. And then in winter you, you trade Oc Jan and that's October is the last month of the summer. Right. So in a sense, you're, you can store, you know, a barrel, you can buy it in October. Right. And then flip it out in the winter. So that is, you know, becomes the bull bear in indicator. Although, I mean, I'm a little surprised if I look here, this is March, April, 23 natural gas. And I mean, you know, you can see it already, you know, it's following the, you know, previous years, which isn't generally the case, right? You know, the outer red and blue um, spreads, you know, tend to wait their turn. And this, there are a lot of bulls in natural gas. And there are a lot of people that think, you know, this price action that we've seen and, and the prices in Europe, they're pretty bullish going forward. And you can tell that by where this March, April spread next year is sitting. And keep in mind, it's nice and safe really to trade now. Um, you know, just remember the path it takes, right? You're really just buying, you're not buying March, April because you think fundamentally, there's nothing fundamental about that trade to blow out. There, there just isn't. So you're buying it because it's a, you know, wussier way maybe to play for a rally or, you know, or an easier way you can put more money on it, you know, less um, margin. So the spread is okay. So I, I, I'm getting it more and more. And, you know, to me, I'm, I guess what I try to help with the people listening to this is, okay, I could pull those spreads up. I can get it. Um, Take us to the point of, well, first of all, let me go back a little bit. I want to talk about the fundamentals. You said there are a lot of people really bullish natural gas right now. What do you think is the main reason behind that bullishness? Um, so let's, let's think about how we got here, you know, starting and you know, summer to fall of last year, we started hearing about all the energy problems in Europe and that's where their LNG prices were screaming, right? And that really kind of 
you know, stoked the bullish fears here, right, in the U.S. And, you know, hence we had that kind of initial reaction, right, last year and and surge as, you know, everybody was thinking we were going to respond or, you know, that that $400 in Europe and $4 in the U.S., somehow that ARB was going to be closed. Um, and we'd had winter storm Yuri. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's just a lot of angst about the upcoming winter and, and, you know, supplies around the world. And that really forced a lot of people, you know, towards the end of last year to maybe shore up some supplies in ways that they wouldn't have, um, in years past. And hence, that's why, you know, at the end of the year, 4th of September, whenever it was, we start, you know, prices started rallying. It really was because people were trying to secure winter, you know, they're like, I better get a hedge on or, you know, I better put something on. And now once we get here, even though kind of the scenario is unfolding, you know, this is when people, you know, kind of locked in and hedged right you know any um on the consumption side and and now we get there so well i think i talked too long i even forgot what your original question was no i mean i'm i'm just taking it all in the original question was simply just you said there's you could as you could see there in the chart that a lot of people are very bullish natural gas i said what do you think is the primary reason oh, for everyone yeah, to be yeah. bullish yeah, sorry I like went on such a story. So, so why do I, th so, so this, that's where we came from. And, he, you know, we had a pretty cold and we have had some pretty cold weather this winter and we've seen the spikes um, in cash, right? Cash prices have been supportive. So that's sort of supported, you know, the screen, not sort of, it has. Um, and, the expectation is that we'll end the season around 1.3 TCF um, and that it will be hard to refill storage this summer for next winter. And so the thought is that there will be more competitive bids for storage this summer um, and they won't be able to even get enough in the ground for next winter. That's kind of the you know common theme for it, and you know underpinning it is the same narrative that we see in oil um, and in other places. You know the lack of rig counts growing, you know, kind of the lack of production growth. You know we might have to reassess that with oil prices up here, right? Maybe we'll get some more associated gas back, but yeah, it's just an overriding you know, elevated, we won't be able to get enough in the ground. You know, maybe we won't end even above 3.5 by the end of the summer. And so that will kind of make summer feel tight in the beginning, um, which and then it'll probably peter out. And then, you know, we've kicked the can down. Everyone's saying, well, we're never going to get enough. We're never going to get enough in the ground. And it won't matter, right, again, until we get to winter. Um, it just, it takes so much patience. You know, with this, with natural gas, I mean, this is one of the things where I look at it and each time I talk to you, I feel like I, I hear similar things with the seasonality stuff. And, you, and I say to myself, it sounds like this, almost the same stories almost every year, right? Where yeah. it's, so, it's, it's amazing yeah. to me that it's, it doesn't, is, is it getting more efficient? Are we getting better at this or is this, is this done I don't want to say almost on purpose, but in a sense where this is just what it is. And and, and maybe that makes the trade easier. I, I don't know. It, I'll be honest with you. Once I, you know, I mean, because I've been, you know, trading and watching natural gas since the 90s. And, you know, so seeing a, you know, a lot of the different moves and, and historically, you know, the start to, you know, take a look at these spreads and it's, once I let go of being annoyed when March, April would rally, because you know that it's eventually going to come off um, and more into the, I understand that this is almost an instrument itself 
you know, it's not trading on fundamentals. It's just, you know, from now until, you know, now that we're in the delivery window, right? It always collapses once you get, and now here we're seeing that. But prior to that, it's honestly just a, a bull or bear call. And, you know, if we were to see this really collapse and, and give up here, you know, that's kind of saying the market has a bearish sentiment. It's not saying that suddenly there's some difference in the fundamentals between March and April. You know what I mean? So it's almost like there are these spreads that, you know, regardless of where prices are, right? Because, you know, you can see we've had the same ranges and spikes up regardless of where price levels are, right? They're just more magnified at the extremes. Um, and I don't know, I, I like, I like you know, trading around these in a more methodical way, right? So when you say that, is what is the way that majority of the real professionals on the side of natural gas trade this? Are they trading options, mostly spreads? I mean, I know it's not outrights. So I've asked you that. I mean, is pretty much yeah. just everybody spreading your options? So I think um, in a certain, you know, in maybe the 25 to 50 cent range or whatever, you know, people will just trade the spread, right? You're kind of playing. You can see the moves aren't that big, right? But I'm sure, you know, there's some nice little small moves and pretty tolerable and, and you kind of are range trading it um, until you, you know, it, it hits its breakout. And, and that's when you start looking at the option side of it, right? The If you see the spikes, you look at the puts on the spread. Because this spread can be flat with natural gas at $2 or at $8. Um, and so that's when you start looking at, you know, the calendar spread options, right? And, and they have a pretty low, um, I think the block volumes are really small. So, you know, they're available. Um, and, and then once the, you know, the spread sort of hits its breakout stride, that's, that's when you start putting those kinds of positions on versus um, flat price, right? It's, and, and that's been my experience, you know, I'm not, the, the spike doesn't make me think I want to trade that actual spread. It makes me think, oh, goody, there must be some interesting things in the calendar spread options. Same way people buy the dollar calls, a lot of dollar March, April calls trade, right? And, um, you know, that's kind of your lottery ticket. So I guess I want to dumb this down a little bit for some of the people that are, you know, actively trading natural gas and maybe say to them, okay, I understand a lot of this stuff. And I guess what, I, what I'm getting from what I'm seeing on some of these charts is it seems like there's a lot of, of mean reversion. Is that why when you're looking at like the spikes that, that they come back? I mean, I'm looking at the natural gas charges in general lately. I mean, it's it's ripping up and then you think, oh gosh, there's got to be something going on for this thing to be bullish. All the technicals will look bullish and it just rips it lower and it's ripping it back up and it's ripping it lower. What is causing that type of volatility? Is it because there there has to be something I guess, extremely important happening in the marketplace to really drive it higher, that it, it, it brings the price back. I'm just trying to understand the action a little bit within it. I mean, the last, you know, six or eight months, certainly there's been, you know, the higher price level you get to, the more volatility, right? Just sure. because there's more at risk. And so I really, volume is pretty thin. Um and then as we've seen at expiration, you know, that we've had some issues and, and that reverberates right throughout the market. Um, what's, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that. Well, I'm just saying, because when I look at it, you know, I just look at it from my perspective as somebody who doesn't know the internal stuff like you do. And, I, and, I, and I'm looking at it from a, trying to help a trader out there who, let's just say they're trading natural gas. You look at it and say, what behind the scenes would you go to look for to say this rally should continue? There should be some legs to this. Would you go to the spreads? Is it going to be a fundamental story, a combination of the both? What are you looking at to say when this price is escalating, like you said, a lot of people are calling for, you know, $10 natural gas. What are the places you're looking at to support that 
besides just somebody looking at a price chart of natural gas? Yeah, so I think it's always good to do the exercise of thinking, you know, establishing where you maybe think the baseline price is for the product at the moment, right? And let's call it, when we were here last year, let's call it 350 for natural gas. And then you say, how many days in a month do I, of that month, do I think could, you know, explode to the upside because, you know, we have a logistical constraint and how far up can it go, right? So if I have, I think I might have four days in the month of February where things are so constrained at Henry Hub that we could clear $20. You know, I mean, that's not an unreasonable premise because if you go back here, right, and we look at briefly what happened to spot prices um, during, you know, the Texas winter storm, you know, you can say if you have the whole month, you know, at 350 and you get one day, right? One spot day of the month that drives your whole average up, right? You might be more inclined to be long at $4, right? Because you've got this more, there, there's more risk to the upside. And at the moment, at these price levels with, you know, inventory being, you know, a little bit below the five-year average. It has a lot of like potential to the upside the minute something goes wrong. And the things that can go wrong in the winter are on any given day, we need more than the transport and the delivery that we have available, right? Because just because you have it in the ground in storage, you can't take it out. You can't take it all out that day, right? There's a limited amount that can flow on any given day. And how many days do you think this upcoming winter, you know, if you're assessing it, do I think the conditions will exist that that constraint will impact Henry Hub? Prior to now, it's been that will impact all the basis locations. So New York, Boston, and that's where we saw these $100 prints. But as we've been exporting more LNG, it seems like we're kind of tightening up the supply at Henry Hub, and it's now finally reacting um, to the upside in, in a way that some of the basis locations are. So, you know, I just, I just think it's a function of just the underall... The way the whole system you know, works. situation I, I, that we have exactly. right now, right? This inflation sort of trade that everybody feels really good about it's very well supported. And as long as cash, the spot market come clears relatively close to or around, you know, where futures are trading, that's validation. But cash on any given day, the weather is so different that that is swinging so much in the winter. And that just filters all the way through to the futures because you, you deflate the upside, um, probability. Got it. See, that's what I was trying to get at because I'm trying to understand really, you know, just like I said, the, the in-depths of this that I, that I don't, and I think a lot of people are, are learning a lot from this and understanding that, that of these scenarios of what's going on in this, in this market, I think it makes it so unique, honestly, from any other futures market that I know of because of something like this, because you're talking about from what I'm getting from you, it's, this is getting it's it gets it's very local as well, right? And how that will impact things, um, and how people are using the futures in in that respect, versus really any other market that I know of. I, I really I'm trying to think of anything I can even compare to. I don't even think crude oil is is can be really compared to this as much. You know, it's interesting though. Before you know, the U.S. lifted the export ban. Um, we were a little oil was a little bit more local right and then and then we got really plugged in i mean we were plugged in before but that's because we were you know importing everything and and it really kind of connected the rest of the world you know in natural gas it's an interesting time because you know we've been growing our lng export capacity so over the last you know 10 years we've been adding 
you know, enough so that now we're up to 13 or 14 um, capacity to liquefy. And, and that's allowing us to play a little bit more on the world stage. You know, the, the difference between, and, and I think that we're going to maybe watch that as that expands. Is that going to sort of connect Henry Hub a little bit more to what's happening and what we saw this winter in Asia and Europe? So that's something, you know, that I think is also underneath this um, bullish sentiment that, you know, that people are focusing on. Uh, we got some questions from people listening and everybody I'd love to hear from you guys right now. I'm in the YouTube chat. You can send me any questions you want because, you know, one of the hardest things to do when you, when you speak with someone like Bryn, who's been doing this a long time, I've been in futures business for over 20 something years. And to me, I learn something every time I speak to her because this is different from what, from what I do. And it's, and this is something Bryn has been doing her whole life. So I know that there's gotta be some questions out there to ask people uh, to ask her to, to help make more sense of this. And one of the things that somebody uh, asked that it was subs Z 77 X. And I think this kind of ties into something what you were just kind of mentioning. He said, as you mentioned earlier in the presentation, if we are setting a new mean, how do you think the European storage levels we keep hearing about and elevated electricity prices plays a, a role in that? Yeah. So that good question. So, you know, like I was saying, we only have X amount of export capacity, right? And, and most of that is sold on long-term contracts. So, you know, in generally, you know, especially in an environment like this, they're take or pay. And you would imagine, you know, that everything's getting taken. Um, and so that's the extent that we're participating on the world stage, right? Whoever it is that, you know, if China, you know, had long-term contracts with the US, you know, they're buying the, you know, LNG, right, you know, in the U.S. Gulf Coast, right, at the terminal, at Henry Hub Index, you know, times some multiplier, usually it's a, times 115%, and, and then a liquefaction or a toll. And where it goes from there, you know, is the buyer of it. Um, so unless you think that we're going to really grow our export capacity, I don't know that what's going on over there, I mean, we didn't see anything like that in our markets, right? And and even with us sending, you know, sending out the max that we could to that market. So we obviously didn't make enough of a dent. Um, and the toll to liquefy the natural gas is expensive. Um, the tankers are expensive and it's expensive to ship. So by the time you've taken Henry Hub and converted it, added the toll on it and delivered it, you know, over into Asia or Europe, it's $10, $20, depending on, on where Henry Hub is. So using like their prices as something that might happen here at best is just, it's an indication of, you know, tight energy markets. And that filtered through to oil, right? And and you know we could see that filter through locally in natural gas, but I, I don't know how much their baseline impacts us until we grow more and participate more in LNG exports. This is a follow up question to that. I think it's from from Sub Z seventy seven. Z as well. He said, now that gas related geopol geopolitics are in the news, does Bryn have anything new that she is considering in her trading than her usual methods. Because you said this is such a unique time, that was kind of tying into what I was thinking as well. Is there, is there anything over that you're doing now that maybe you've, you're you looking at things a little bit differently than you have in the past? Um, generally, this, you know, as March is about to roll off the board, and I just noticed myself kind of starting to, you know, roll my thought process forward to some of the summer spread plays, right? Because I mean, I have no, let's say the April, October summer strip is $4. I mean, I have no opinion on that actual price itself. I, you know, I, I will find out, you know, what price storage buyers are willing 
to buy, you know, come April and May and June, right? Like uh, maybe they'll hold out and, and, you know, the market might fall off and they hope they get it at a lower price. We saw some of that last year. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of just right now switching over and we go from March, April to Jan, right? And and I'm trying to, you know, reorient. Okay, I'm like, all right, get this back on on deck. And the thinking behind the Jan spread is, um, how much incentive is there or what, how much are they, what's the return that you can earn from, because you can still put a, a you know, an MMB to you in the ground in October, depending on its spread to January. I mean, you know, if you're getting 20 cents more or you're getting 60 cents more, it kind of tells you how full or how full they expect storage to be by the end of the summer. Right. And if you're going to get to the end of the year and you're going to have too much, like right when COVID hits, October just, you know, nose dove, you know, down to, you know, almost a dollar fifty underneath January. And if you're a storage player, right. And I always like to, you know, there are going to be people doing actual things in the market and it eventually affects the market. Right. If, if they can be done. And so, you know, something, a, oh crap! A, you know, spread sell October selling all the way under January says, "Wow, we think by the time we get to October, storage is going to be so full, we won't have anywhere to put it, and it it's just you know going to be crap." Um, other times, the market's really tight, right? You think uh, we're not going to have enough by October? You know, we'll only be at three point five, and we'll still need to. Um, you know, I don't want to sell forward January and, and they're only giving me this amount. So it it's sort of another bull bear indicator, but it kind of tells you like how people are looking at end of summer storage. And and so that's, you know, here's, you know, where we was really tight coming into this winter. And, you know, this is a little bit loose and I, I'm sort of thinking this is seasonally maybe a time to, you know, get long. October versus January, or at least be mindful if it dips too early and, and start picking some up. Um, Cause I think this one is about to, you know, kind of be the bellwether, right. That's trading. And, and so I, I look at it like that, not wow. It's $4 a buy because I, I don't, I don't know what storage buyers are going to look like. I mean, we know some things for sure. We know that they have to buy during the summer. Um, we don't know exactly how much they have to buy, but you know, we generally put you know two, two five, you know, in the ground over the summer period. So we know that's going to happen. You just don't know if they're going to trip over themselves to you know buy because it's just excess production, right? And even though you're supposed to save, right? You're supposed to put money in savings. We don't always. Um, cause we need it for something else. And, and so I, I have, I don't have a clear picture on how that dynamic is going to play out yet. Um, that's interesting to me because you said you don't look at, let's just say $4 because that's where we're at right now as a buy because right. of the dynamics that you, you are, are talking about because things can change. And like you said, you don't know when they're going to step in and start buying it. So maybe they say, you know what? let's wait and see a little bit. You know, um, I, I think most traders can understand that you're going to sit back and say, maybe I get it at a better price, but then that also could be something that drives prices even higher. If they wait too long and we start to go up, that could do, you know, uh, add to the upside. But right. if you, you can imagine, you know, come April, that's when storage, you know, the buy direction, it switches directions, right? So it goes from where you can take out only to where you can put in only. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, a lot, a lot of the storage buyers are utilities and they're just rateably buying, you know, throughout the summer to hit their, um, you know, fill their tanks. But there is some level of how aggressive they'll be on it. And, um, you know, they might sort of come out tepidly in April. And, and if, you know, it seems weak, you know, nice, easy. But if it seems strong, right, they might wait and then panic. And when we saw some of that last summer, so I, you know, to, I don't know if it'll be the same, but 
you know, I don't, I, I don't know where we're going to be on April 1. Are we going to be 350? You know, the buyers might be a little more aggressive, right? Are we going to be five? You know, I don't think that would be their favorite appetite price, right? Got it. So I want to think about it from the perspective of let's just say that I'm an I'm a natural gas trader right now. I look at I look at the market and I say, look at I I found some reasons to be bullish. I look at the charts. I want to be bullish instead of going to outrights. What would you recommend they look at? What spreads, and and how would they trade the spreads? Is it just one to one, buy one, sell one? Is there ratios that you're doing? Talk to us a little bit about that. Um. Well, so let's let's take March off the board because you know we're partway through the roll here, right? So for all intents and purposes, March is almost done, right? I yeah. mean, not almost, but we're pretty close. So, so let's say, I mean, you know, we're now into summer months. Um, so what you're trying to think about in the, you know, the dynamics of, of the spreads from between April and October is traditionally it's natural gas is in carry in the summer. And you, 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 that's a word you guys use, right? Contango, right? It's typically because you're storing, you need to put gas in the ground. You know, the dynamics are contango and, and it kind of flips in between the winter months. So the carry right now is, is pretty little. And so you look at April versus May, I think it's maybe two cents. Um, you know, in May and June. And, and if I was, if I was bullish, I would say, okay, what I think is going to happen is we're going to come into April or be heading into it. It is refinery and nuclear outage, you know, season, natural gas kind of always surprises in April because, you know, not only are the power pools, their demand is a little heavier because the nukes are down. Um, but then there's the storage buyers. So, I do I think April could go over May, right? Like it would be in that way. Like I'll buy it at two under. I think it could go to 10 over, you know, if if the market got really strong versus saying I'm committing right now. Like I think $4 is it because, you know, it's yes. only going up from, from here. It's That's more... exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it. And I think, I mean, this is the one thing psychologically for a lot of natural gas traders is probably hard to to think that way because they're saying look if i want to be long it why don't, why don't i just you know day trade it or buy it at this price but you're looking at it and saying that instead of thinking about it just as the price will will april overtake may and and that's 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 different in your thinking you know because yeah. the price in april just needs to be higher than may in order for that to be worth right i don't care Correct. what and, and in that scenario it's yeah. tight right and um and then you know you start to think. I mean, who's who wants to store gas all summer, right? If if that market isn't in a nice, reasonable contango, um, there's no incentive to store. And then how is that going to play out, right? And are these yeah. spreads going to all right now? They're all in carry, right? If I was bullish, I'd be looking to see if some of the front ones would flip. Um, and if they don't, you know, you kind of got. Probably because flat price is weak. And when you look at a spread like that, like let's just say the April May, for example, it's just you're just buying one, selling one. That's all you're doing. That's how you yeah, like do it. March, April, right? Here, here, April, May, right? So my next question right? was gonna be, are you oh so you just have it up as a straight spread yeah, on the spread. day I, I versus mean, the legs of it are buy one sell the other but i don't you know you don't execute it that way yeah i get it. you're trading the spread price and so, and so in a way a i don't really i'm looking at that you know and and if you're charting it right um let's see if i can make this yeah that's you, know, you can kind of see this range you're in and there's nothing yeah. wrong with being a nice range trader you know along these and you know, having a little bit more size and just kind of swatting these back and forth um, when they're in their range. You know, yeah, another an one point. is April to October. Just because um, 
you know, if if they're flat or relatively flat, why bother to pay to carry it all summer, right? Just by October. And so that spread has a lot of signals, you know, contained within it. So I, yeah, I guess natural gas ends up when it, you know, gets up at these, you know, levels where a market call could be disastrous. You know, it's, it, there's so much to do in these spreads, you know, without, regardless if we go up or down 50 cents in the market. Got it. And, and I want to make a, a point. I think this is very important is that if you're looking at these spreads that we're talking about today, pull up the spread on the dome to where you see the bid and offer of the spread. And of the, trade spread. the spread. Don't, yeah. don't try <laughs> try legging into some of this stuff uh, is, is obviously in a volatile market is challenging. And I agree with what you said. I'm glad that you pulled that up was just showing the spread of the chart because now, you know, look at we're traders. You could see that spread and you say, okay, you know what? This thing, maybe I could try and get them here, or maybe I want to sell some here. The spread has been in that range. I think, you know, that's an important point. I mean, my goal is always to make traders last longer and trade better. And I think yeah. this is a very important thing to look at if you are trading natural gas, because like we said, this is what the majority of the professionals are doing. That's and right. I think, We're, and I mean, look, they're not doing you that because it's- these uh, ranges. I mean, sure, maybe you were happily moving along, right? And every now and then, right, this, a spread's going to kind of- blow out or not but um for the most part you you can make a nice living yeah you know um you, you can size these up a little bit more and you know you're just doing four or five cents you know in the range during the day i think it's you know, or you can yeah. do you know like i said a lot of structures start going through right and people buying like I said, march april this one dollar calls or you know the flat puts so but you know, this, this spread isn't extreme enough. Although I've seen like the plus 15 cent calls go through, you know, for a couple cents, you know, it's also an easy way to play for, you know, you don't want to miss it if it really is bullish. Um, and, and you can kind of participate that way without just, you know, getting sliced up to death. Absolutely. There's a couple of questions left. I want to get to them and I'll let you go. I know it's been a long day, busy day for you uh, every day, really these days. Right. Um, so Patrick's asking what matters more in your trading? Uh, and I think you've answered this, but I think it's just a good question anyway to ask is, is it technicals or fundamentals? I would say my gut is, you know, supported by fundamentals and my execution within a particular day, right? Or within the scheme of it, I, you know, I look at technicals. I mean, technicals are always, I guess, second because I'm not, I am not the person that puts on a position because of technicals. Um, but I might use the technicals to help me put on my, you know, my strategy at the right time. Um, and I, but I don't know, maybe if looking at this, you know, a spread trading in a range and saying, oh, it's top of the range, but I'm going to, is that technicals? I mean, I guess in that way I use them. Yeah. But well, like you say, you, you have a fundamental story behind yeah. the trade. So yeah. you can't, you're not going to go and look and just start shorting a spread or longing a spread unless you have some idea of what the fundamental picture is. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not all spreads. If I was just like outright massively bearish, right. Or massively bullish, the best, you know, way to do it is flat price, but. But it doesn't who, happen who often. Could look at this like. price action and say, you want to survive that, you know, over the last. Few years. <laughs> I know it's that's, I know we, we, we talked a lot about that today. And then, you know, last question of the day would be of all the natural gas related news, which has, the most impact on prices that we need to be aware of and will have an immediate effect on price. I guess basically the question is, what is something that all of us should be out there looking at that we think will have an, an immediate impact on price? I mean, you obviously you can't the predict the market and the relative spot prices across the country, you know, and, and that's something that is really hard for people to sort of get, access to because from you know most people don't have a nice account 
But look, I do all the handwork myself every day. I go to theice.com. I you know, suffer through their, you know, I'm not a robot and they time you out every 20 seconds and you have to download PDF files individually for each basis location, but they're free and they're there. And that's one of the largest drivers. Natural gas does not like to trade a dollar over where the spot market is, right? Or a dollar under. It just, unless there's a justification for it, you know, unless it's on that particular day, we went to $20 because there was a, you know, a freeze off or explosion on a pipeline or something. But once that gets resolved, you know, we'll go back to normal. You know, it's, so the cash market is mine. You know, I, the storage becomes week to week, you know, it's not that, I, I don't find it that correlated. Um, number one, because, you know, all the industry, you know, sources come out with their number on Monday morning um, at the start of the week. And they're, you know, I mean, the system's not that complicated. It's not like oil where you're refining and you're turning it into different products and everything. I mean, you know, you got a pipeline system and you got pipeline flows and they're monitored. So the weekly numbers are generally known. They're known on Monday, right? And you have a little variation from what actually gets reported, you know, by the EIA on Thursday. And that loop, it's just, it's just a constant loop of hindsight data, right? I mean... Inventories are just hindsight constantly. It's only the trend of the inventories or, you know, the, wow, it's alarming that we're not injecting as much as I think we should, but not that it was off four, you know, from the estimates on a particular day. So, you know, it really comes down to cash. Well, Brenda, I like what can to I say? see how that responds to weather. I, and the reason I don't say it comes down to weather is because the spot market doesn't always respond to weather in the same way. And it's just because of regional dynamics. Um, and, and so it's not, and, and drafting off pipelines and stuff like that. So it's hard to just use weather. I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who've taken the weather play and it just runs you over. <laughs> even though the weather was what it should be. Wow. I, I learned a lot as usual from you, Bryn. All I could say is thank you so much. And this is not, it's not an easy conversation because you've been doing this a long time. You understand things that most of us don't. And I really appreciate you taking the time to explain this to us. I know I definitely learned a lot. And for me, if I go back to trading natural gas, it won't be outrights. I'll tell yeah. you that much. <laughs> I mean, very not, rarely. Not right now. <laughs> No, it won't. I mean, but everybody puts bets a dollar on black, right? Or I mean, everyone sure. puts a dollar on on the horse to win. So put a little on it. So, Bryn, where can people learn more about what you're doing? And and I know you put out some some really great work on natural uh, natural gas, just energy markets in general. Maybe give us Twitter, website, whatever you got. Yeah, so I um, am the director of research at Cornerstone Futures. And so for them, I publish weekly analysis in the crude markets. Um, you know, it's a very extensive client base in, in the oil and gas markets, you know, all the major players. And um, and and that's, you can go to their website and, and all my analysis is there. I post it on Twitter also. That's probably where I'm more present and that's Bryn K. Kelly. I had a lot of imposters in the last couple of weeks, but find the real Bryn K. Kelly. Yeah, everybody, you have to follow her on Twitter. I mean, look at what we learned just from you today, Bryn. It, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been talking to you for years and it's just amazing to me how much goes into what you do. And I think you know, for us futures traders out there that are just going in and waking up, doing some, doing our prep or the night before and, and looking at, you know, the charts and, you know, we've all built our strategies. It's hard work across the board, but the amount of effort and work you put in and educated us over the years on natural gas. I don't know. Yeah. So just, it, future, it, it, you got to remember the time elements, right? So that's something that I think, you know, like S&P futures, you know, they're, they don't really have the 
the curve structure, right? And the time element. Yeah, no, no doubt. So everybody go check out Bryn uh, on the Twitter page. Highly recommend it. And I read her stuff all the time. And Bryn, what can I say? Thank you again. Thanks. It was good to see you again, Anthony. Good to see Bye, you everyone. as well. All right, everybody. That's it for today. I'll see you guys next week. See ya. Peace. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.